friends, welcome to episode 157 of Storyteller Conclave. It's the show all about helping you run the best tabletop role-playing game that you can. Whether you're a new storyteller or dungeon master learning the craft or an experienced storyteller looking to take your game to the next level. I'm Sarah. I'm Rob. How we doing, Rob? Um, pretty good. Yeah? Yeah, had a had a really good week. Uh, I, I wanted to say that uh, it's my, uh, I, I have to put this out there because this is our show and I have a microphone and I could do this. Yeah, yeah. It's my wife's birthday this week. Happy, Happy birthday, birthday to Vicky. Vicky for this week. So uh, she's actually uh, – the girls took her out tonight. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we got to have uh, just dinner, this, the two of us, which we haven't done in, in forever. Like two years. Yeah, something like that. Basically since the pandemic. Yeah. Because that was when we we, we brought the studio back yeah. here. And, yeah. yeah. We, we, at least on Wednesday nights. We yeah. have, and then just the two of us having dinner. So that's, it's its own thing right there. But it was yeah, nice. Yeah, it was yeah. nice. Uh, but, uh, yeah. So she's out at a, uh, a neat, uh, restaurant downtown and then going to, uh, a really kind of cool, trendy themed bar. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that, that I, I can't wait to hear how it all turns out. Good, so I, I good, hope good, that good, goes good, really good, well good, for good. her tonight. So good, good, good. Uh, but, uh, I, I did also want to say is we've gotten an influx of new people in our Discord, which I am so happy to see. Yeah, it's really great to see. So big shout out to everybody who recently yeah, joined. Yeah, uh, and, glad, and our new Patreon aboard. people. That's fantastic. We love mm-hmm. it. It definitely helps us uh, and, and keeps this stuff going. But uh, it was just nice to see some new people coming in, some people getting interested in the podcast. Uh, if you're listening tonight, please uh, continue. I know some of you are, are new GMs and you're looking for uh, resources. Tonight is a 101, and it's part of our 101 series that we started at the beginning of this year, which is kind of a compacted compilation that we decided to do and, and, and streamline things a little bit better to get, how to get into doing storytelling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, we sort of started off with, uh, you know, how to, how to get inspiration, how to choose the right system and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. now we're, we're kind of past that. We're kind of past the session zero stage and we're into the actual like, okay, how do we, you know, how do you, how do you get this? How do you turn this into a game? Yeah. Last session we did, uh, last month was a uh, concept of campaign. We mm-hmm. talked about, uh, the right system and that you needed to have accessibility, familiarity and support for it. Yep. yep we kind of yep. got into those, <laughs> you know, don't sweat it. You know, you'll, you'll know the right system when you when you grab it mm-hmm. like it'll be there it'll fit uh and uh, sometimes you'll find systems that are neat but and maybe a little too wide we've gone through that ourselves oh yeah, yeah you know yeah. trying to work with stuff um and but, then uh, what sort of story are you trying to tell yeah, with it? Yeah. Uh, are you trying to tell like a, a pulpy story, a gritty story, a, a lighthearted story, a, yeah. you know, an intrigue story, something like that? Um are you leaning more narrative? Are you leaning more simulationist? Yeah. You know, uh uh, is it a survival thing going on? You know, yeah. um, so we're stepping from that into how to write a plot. But I, I, I kind of want to preface this because we even had to preface this. Yeah. Uh, because we, we, we've done several stories on plot writing and we want to be clear that we're not talking about the narrative aspects of that. Right. If you right. want a detailed discussion about narrative aspects, we did that back in episode 99. This is just how to, the, your barest considerations, and keeping yes. in mind this is a 101, this yes. is designed for new storytellers, about um, how to put a plot together. Um, this is not how to string multiple plots together into a cohesive story. This yeah. is not how to execute your plot nearly as much. This not is enough. this is a bare bones 101 of what is a plot, how do you make one, and right. how, do you, how do you do it in, in, in a tabletop RPG? Yeah, and keeping it to that simplicity was interesting for us. And we, and I will say, I think I pulled from 
eight ep- or at least six episodes that we've done already. I don't we've, know that I it pulled was that much. I think it was it was four maybe four but, strong but, episodes. But you had yeah. a lot of stuff that you pulled out of there. Yeah, yeah, because I I wanted to go back and kind of see not even for my own thing of like what have we altered and learned uh-huh. and streamlined and cut down and like what really is the one hundred and one aspects of those. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, we do some deep dives, we go pretty far into some of the stuff we talk about. Um, but I think. I think these one ones have helped us mm-hmm. in figuring that out. Uh, it doesn't mean that we're not going to get into, uh, you know, go into the 200 levels eventually, because that's really our meat and potato shows. Yeah, that's most um, of our shows, yeah. And so, uh, and, and we're going to say this, is we're going to cap this again at the end of the year. We'll be asking mm-hmm. our listeners what they're interested in. But if you find these interesting and you want us to go into more depth again and you want to set up let us know let us know tweet at tweet at us at st underscore conclave yeah. uh join us up on our discord let us know there yeah uh there's a n- number of ways to get a hold of us on the uh, on the internet and, uh, and just, obviously just give us a shout out we'd love to hear from you we're surfing reddit too we're going to be posting some stuff out there as well so mm-hmm. if you're if you're on reddit and you're looking stuff we're we're also kind of keeping an eye on that to see kind of what the flavor of the community at whole is yeah, yeah. yeah so but let's get into this one so that we're we're not running four and a half hours here now did did, did you mentioned i i i, I oh. apologize i might have missed it um uh with if you do want to know more about narrative flow like yes. how to string your plots together into a into a story yeah um episode 99 yes is all about narrative flow yeah uh, we, so hop into our backlog pull episode 99 go back and give it give that a listen yeah, you may want to grab a notepad it is it is meaty it's a little it's it's thick and chunky yes. yeah it's, we, it's husky it's, it is husky definitely <laughs> we we break down a lot of things that are are for novelization and we talk about some things uh that other storytellers use uh 101 one, uh, one two two method um for designing and, and, and defining out your, your yep. stories. So, um, but this, let's get to plot. All right. What is plot? Okay. As far as we're concerned with, so, with tabletop. As we're defining it tonight. Correct. Uh, and this, this, this may or may not be a good definition of it. And to but... be clear, we have microphones. You don't. That's why we're defining it our way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so our, our definition, uh, for, for plot that we're using tonight, it's, it's going to be the impetus or action for the PCs. Um, it is the quote unquote story that draws them in, calls them to interact with the world. Typically this is in the form of a conflict or problem that the PCs must resolve. Right, right. Um, so in the tabletop RPG sense, a plot is a thing or problem that some, uh, or like some other called action that hooks the players, hence the term plot hook. Okay? Correct. You put this problem in front of them and the players go, oh man, we gotta do something about that. Right. Or are being told you have to do something about right. that. Right. Here's, here's a sack full of gold. Go, go do something about it. Yeah. Er, early in storytelling, even in like the, the very, uh, earliest forms of D&D that most people know, it was the simple form of here is a layer that no one has cleared out and could be full of all kinds of stuff. There's plenty of loot in there, and I will fund this. Yep. I am paying you to go in and clear those things out. Maybe get me a single thing out of it. That mm-hmm. is 90% of all plots. Mm-hmm. And that impetus comes from a sponsor. That's not always the case, but it is the most cleanest way that it's ever being done. Yep, and it doesn't have to necessarily be a job like this. I mean, it, it can be a lot of things. It can be fighting goblins, it can be doing a shadow run, it can be hacking the Gibson, mm-hmm. uh, exploring a planet, etc., etc. Yeah, yeah. We're we're not discluding, you know, your your uh, Star Wars the, or Star Trek themes where you're you're seeking new life and new civilizations. Yeah. It's literally the same thing. Yeah, that's, no, that's, nothing has changed. That there. is the that is the call to adventure right there. So we then step from that to how do you write one, and this is where things get. 
I'd say bumpy, but really, as long as you can keep some framework, it's really not that bad. Yeah, there's, um, the, the, the problem I think with writing plot that a lot of new storytellers have is, um, not being able to find that nice middle ground between, like, over prep and under prep. Yeah, and this has been going around the community quite a bit. There's a bunch of a lot of people who very recently, I would say in the last month, have brought this up in their shows, their their shorts, their yeah. Their, it's too much, too little. Oh, you're over prepping. Oh, you're under prepping. Ginny uh, D actually had a really did. a really good video about this. Yeah. Uh, it was it was uh, unfortunately that the title was a little a little clickbaity. It is a little clickbaity, um, but I think still appropriate. It was about this topic. It's called the worst worst DM advice I've ever received, or something like yeah. that. Um, but yeah, it is, it is about this topic of over prep versus under prep and when you're writing your plots and how, how to best structure your plots for the most flexibility at the table. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're going to try to cut this down to its barest bones since this is a 101. Here. Yeah, but we are going to expand on some of the things you, you do need to do. I mean, her video was not bad, but it was very short and kind of doesn't give you all of the pieces you need. It just lays out the basic groundwork yes. of, of what too yes. much is and what too little is and what that really means. So plots can be as simple as there's a problem out there and we need to solve it. That's it. Period. Yeah. There are goblins in the mine. We would like there to not be goblins in the mine. We would like miners in the mine sans the goblins. There you go. <laughs> let's go fix that. I mean, that's even just a little more than you needed. Yeah, you let, know. let's go fix the goblin to miner ratio. There you go. There you go. <laughs> With swords. Yeah, and and that can be it. That can literally be it, you know? Mm-hmm. The question then comes into is you start asking yourselves questions that frame for the players, which is like that. that is a story within itself. Let's not get that wrong. Sure, but sure. like. Why is there a problem there? Mm-hmm. Who or what is causing this problem helps define a little bit more, makes it into a story versus yeah. just a single statement. Be- because it, well, it, it, so it, this is the first thing that's going to provide context. Like if you're not asking why, guaranteed your players are going to. Yeah. Where did the goblins come from? Right. How do we stop this from happening again? What's stopping mm-hmm. the goblins from just coming back? Yeah. And if you haven't thought about that. Now you're on the spot and you have to come up with something. Right. So part of your game prep when you're writing your plots should think about why is the plot even does it does it even exist in the first place? Now sometimes this is going to be your your BBEG, your big bad evil guy. Mm-hmm. Um we all love to have that core villain in our stories that are right. that is the 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 cause of all of the plots problems and stuff like that. It doesn't have to be. Not but in it the can least. Be. Yeah. Um Sometimes it's just circumstances. Sometimes stuff just happens. Mm-hmm. You know, goblins just happen to move in there because goblins love caves. Mm-hmm. That's where they live, you know? Right. Um, sometimes it's a group of people. There there might be a group of cultists, not necessarily yep. with, like, one particular leader, but, you know, uh, or, or an organization like a guild or something like that that's doing something. Um, right. It can be a lot of things. Um, but this is essentially where, where your opposition comes from. And... I, I'm going to I'm going to frame something here, and that is, is a lot of people will say will start the run their mind run here, where mm-hmm. they say, okay, uh, they're going to clean the goblins out of the cave. Why are the goblins in the cave? Well, the goblins are in the cave because they were pushed out of the mountain home they were in. Okay, why were they pushed out in the mountain home? Well, because this ha- and you start chaining events too far. Stop it. Stop it for right now. Stop it for right now. Stop it for right now. Because your players, we will get to why, but the the big reason is just stop that train. Yes. Answer the question at the simplest form. Keep the scope as wide as the players can see. That's Mm -hmm. it. 
And if the players are literally walking into a town, it's like, there are goblins in our cave. Why are there goblins in your cave? I don't know, but we need to have them out of there so the miners can get back to work. All right, we'll go take care of the goblin in the cave. Mm -hmm. Great. You've just answered that. Now we can step into the goblin's shoes because that is all the purview that the players get to see. Yep. And you can keep it tight to that moment. So the next question then prompts itself is what does that group, what does the opposition, what does that situation want? Mm -hmm. You know, is it a matter of being a, you know, uh, is it the matter of, uh, of just a simple fact that they want to do this? Mm-hmm. Is it just a desire? And that's where you're starting to now step that focus onto the, the opposition so that you're only one step away. Yeah. You're yeah. never moving 300 steps down the line and, and, and wrapping in the king. Exactly, exactly. Is, you know, is, is, is it as simple as your big bad evil guys trying to take over the world? Cool. Is it some, you know, some bumbling goblins are, are, are just in a cave doing goblin stuff? They're no, no more deeper than that. Yep. Cool. Uh, is it a group of innocent people that don't realize they've caused a problem? Yeah. Sure. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe, maybe they, they're supposed to be bandits because that was what they were labeled as the townsfolk. There are bandits in our caves right now and they're not. They're literally people just taking shelter Squatters. there and, yeah. and they're getting attacked by these miners because they don't speak the same language. Sure. Simple as that. Could be. Yep. Uh, and then the third question. What does your, why does your PC group care? Yeah. Okay. What's the plot hook here? Um, and so, uh, like problems happen all over the place. Yeah. All the time. Yeah. Uh, usually they are someone else's problem. Mm-hmm. We love it when there's someone else's problem. That leaves more time for drinking and carousing with, uh, with, with, with the, uh, with the barmaids and getting to the show us their ankles. Yes. Uh, however, what lands this problem in your player's lap? Yeah. Um, has someone hired you to resolve it? Simple as that. Money. That's a great way. Are there personal ties to it? Yep. Uh, this is, well, this is, this is, these are my father's minds. Right. Okay. Um, is it a sense of civic duty? It just isn't right that those goblins are running these poor miners out. We have to step up and do something. Yeah, I personally hate goblins and would be glad to take them out of your mind. Exactly. You know? Um, and this can be anything. This really can be anything as long as it draws them in and, f- and, and, I say forces, but at least incentivizes them to answer the call of adventure. Yeah, if you're again having a hard time visualizing what this could mean, you personally, you're driving down the road, you see a car at the side of the road with a flat tire and someone fumbling outside of it. What makes you stop to help them? Mm-hmm. That's that's the core of this mechanic of what you're trying to do. That's what draws you in. Is it a bumper sticker? That says, you know, uh, Earth above and beyond, and you're like, I love that show. That person deserves help. Yeah. You know, you know, or is it, you know, is it uh, the fact that it's pouring down rain and they don't even have an umbrella and it's dark, and you're like, I could at least put my lights on, mm-hmm. you know, and, and and help them in that to make sure they don't get hurt. You know? Or are you the tow truck driver they called? Exactly. <laughs> are you the hireling? Have you, have you been hired to do the job? Right. Yes. Right. And that's that's it. You're done. You've just made a plot. Fantastic. Let's move on. Show over. 25 minutes in. Boom. Loving every moment of it. Let's wrap. Okay. You can All find right. us on Twitter. <laughs> at SC- oh, Okay. Okay. Uh, so on its surface, that is the absolute barest bones plot scaffolding. Correct. You have a problem. You have a reason why that problem happened. A one-step reason. We're yep. not thinking any yep. deeper at this moment. Correct. At this moment. Correct. We'll get to there. And why do the players care? All right. All right. So this is, if you are trying to think of what to do for a Melkron and not make it more than this, this is it right here. This is your, 
I I suggest this is what everybody's first session of a campaign should look like. This gets players comfortable with the rules. It gets the storyteller comfortable with how they're going to use those rules and as a storyteller and how their players are going to interact with them. It gets them to know their classes, things like that. You can throw in mechanical needs Mm -hmm. at this point because, again, it's a simple, simple plot. You're not thinking about the plot anymore. You're thinking about how do I run this game the best way for my players. Yeah, and and in character, it gives your players a space where they're not encumbered by external stimuli, such as the world ending or anything like that, right. where they can they can role play, they can get to know each other's styles, their their likes, their hopes, their dreams, yep. and get to know their team members. And you begin building those bonds in your PC group. Exactly. And so, and 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 again, this doesn't have to tie to anything else. The key to a good milk run is that it is just there that stands alone. Mm-hmm. It is just saturated. On the outside edge by the world. So at the end of the milk run, they now know somebody. They have yeah. a name. They, they, they've they, been they, someplace. They, they know some geography. And they have a bit of reputation. Even if it's minor, it's a minor bit of reputation that now someone knows they've done something that makes them an adventurer and makes sure. them interested. Sure. So now we need to take one step larger. All right. So this is what I call the five whys. Which I think is beautiful. I don't follow the same five whys. Off the top of my head, you seem to do it inherently, and I and I still love it. Uh, so for for me, this is this is my shower time. This is my bathroom time. This is my commute to work when I when I used to have one of those times. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, you just have a spare moment to just let your brain wander about something. Um, think about your plot, and think about the five whys. Um, so now this is the place I know we, we just got done telling you don't think too deep about it. Don't don't think of why the goblins are there, just that they are there. Um, this is the place where you're going to start asking those questions when you're starting to build bigger plots that are more involved, more ingrained in your world and um, uh, and, and have more roots, basically. Right. Um, so basically what you're going to do is you're going to start by asking why mm-hmm. big bad evil guy wants to rule the world. That's your problem. Mm-hmm. Why? Um, First why. Okay, so he was – say he was abused um, and he, he feels he needs to be in control to stop that from happening again. Why? Number two. Uh, because the abusers, uh, the abusers were powerful wizards and he fears that um, – fears their power because he's seen it firsthand. Like he can't let the wizards be in control anymore. Why? Number three. Etc. So, as you can see, we're starting to form the drive. By doing this, we are creating motives for that big bad evil or whatever the situation mm-hmm. is. Again, we, we don't have to have this to be an individual thing. It could be a uh, organization. It yep. could be even a force, mm-hmm. a god, um, a, a situation. Like, w- the world is literally falling apart physically, detaching itself. Mm-hmm. Why? Why? Get into five layers of that, and you suddenly have saturated yourself with the solid motives of what's going on. Now, I want to be perfectly clear here. Your players don't need to know any of this. Mm-mm. I mean, you can. I'm sure it's going to be great backstory when they when they just, you know, seven, eight, ten game sessions down the line when they're really digging into the big bad evil guys' plots and motivations and stuff like that and, and whatnot. You can trickle this stuff out. But what... What these five whys do for you is it establishes 
motives. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, it's going to give you direction and purpose beyond, hey, wouldn't it be cool? God, yes. Um, to your NPCs <laughs> and and the plot that goes with them. And so by establishing motives, essentially, what you're doing is you are thinking about why these elements exist in the story. Now we know how they should move. Okay. Right. If the big bad evil guy is left to his own devices, he is going to try to displace the wizards mm-hmm. and take over himself. And he's going to do it. With uh, overthrow with, the majocracy. Yeah, it, because he personally has an investment to not let them do it again. He's he he is owning the fact that there is there is a problem. He is seeing an issue with it, and if he sees it happen again, it drives him even further into his rage. Exactly, exactly. So you you know why you know what his motivation is. Mm-hmm. You know what he's trying to do. You know why he's trying to do it. And so when the players interact with him in any way. You know how he's going to react. Uh, Knox in the box in live chat asks, mm-hmm. uh, so wait, are we supposed to just picture our players as three-year-olds playing the Y game? Yes and no. Yes and no. This doesn't involve your players We at haven't all. involved the players yet. Yes. This is just you in your plot box. You should be a three-year-old playing the Y game. Correct. This. A lot of people uh, put the same thing uh, to uh, the the duck explanation. When you're doing uh, rubber coding, duck debugging, yeah. you, you rubber duck debug. And that's the same thing. You're explaining things to a rubber duck who is not communicating back to you. He's just giving you the same damn blank stare. Mm-hmm. It's very similar to that. Um, and, and in the act of speaking it out loud to the duck... You are saying it out loud and you're forcing yourself to walk through the steps that you're trying to do. Yeah. And oftentimes when you say it out loud of like, oh, well, I'll just call the database. But, oh, I haven't put in the login credentials. Yep. That's why it's not working. Okay. Yep. Yep. And that's that's the thing. Now, one of the things that the steps to is as you are defining these things, you're also defining the context of how real it would feel or the verisimilitude. Verisimilitude, exactly. Um, it is the verisimilitude is the feeling that within a certain context things are realistic. So we're talking about like the big bad evil guy trying to blow up the world for shits and giggles is not really a realistic thing. Right. But trying to blow up the world to stop it from becoming food for a star god that will become unstoppable if he does Kind of makes a little more kind sense. Kind of makes a little more sense. I mean, I'd prefer you didn't blow up the world, but if it's stopping an unstoppable scar, star god and we're thinking on a cosmic sense here, yeah, sure, maybe I could sacrifice a planet to stop, you know, stop him from eating the rest of the solar system. Right. And, and it also, uh, in doing this is that you're creating the level of grit in your own mind. Mm-hmm. Now, does that need, might that need to change when your players help define that? Possibly. We're not saying, you know, uh, don't, do it just because it's cool. Yeah, look, you know, look, there's plenty of stuff that you and I both do because, hey, wouldn't this be cool? Yeah, I do that um, a lot. But avoid it when possible. Um, wouldn't it be cool if only works for so long and only works on a certain scale? Right. Uh, it should never be like, what's your big bad guy's motivation for the entire, you know, 25 session campaign? I love gold. Cool. <laughs> You know, it shouldn't it shouldn't be as thin as that. That should be something you think about and you do the five whys with so that right. you, you you make sure that that plot makes sense on a deep level. Right. But like, oh, and he's also got, you know, a pet, you know, Torg. Sure. You know, some 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 ravenous monster. Why? <laughs> Why not? 
Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And and at that point, it's like, of course, he has a cave drill. Yeah. Like, yeah. Exactly. You know, it, it, when you get to a certain level, it you can ex- you can then establish that there's a layer of fantasy or ridiculousness to the verisimilitude. Mm-hmm. And and that's how you can still make things believable and ownable right. uh, without going gonzo weird on the situation. And that, that's why we're saying verisimilitude and not realism. Right. Realism is like with relation to our lives. Right. Verisimilitude is realism within its scope. You know, and again, so, when we say or realize, we're not talking contemporary. You can still have variants of verisimilitude in contemporary. What, what I'm saying for verisimilitude, though, is like if you establish in your story that anyone who uses fire magic becomes sick afterwards. Yep. You know, everybody who uses fire magic should always become sick because Correct. that is the rule in your context, in your world. Correct. You know, and so if you have a, a player or you know a, a character that, that uses fire magic and doesn't become sick, that breaks verisimilitude. Now, mm-hmm. fire magic is not real. You can't say that's realism. Right. But verisimilitude says within its context. Correct. That's what's real. The other thing that it does is it creates the social uh layers of rules for your players to understand how the world functions yes because yes although we have mechanics the mechanics don't teach us about the world right we have a game mechanic that says this is how i cast my spells mm-hmm. but it doesn't say that you, it doesn't it doesn't say that i shouldn't be role playing that it makes me ill or covers my hands in blood mm-hmm. or you know uh cause adds burning cinders sent to the air you know every yeah. time i do it you know, or or physically makes me sick. Yeah. You know, um, those kinds of things add that layer in and let your players then attach themselves to the same verisimilitude. Exactly, exactly. So they, you know, like if if you have established fire magic makes people sick, you know, your characters maybe you know three sessions after they see that happen, after they learn that quote unquote rule of how your world works, how your story works, they see someone getting sick mm-hmm. after something gets lit on fire they're like oh, that dude's a fire mage exactly and they learned that in game yep they learned that because you have established the ver- the, the verisimilitude of your of your plot yeah uh a, a good example of this uh is, uh, of the break in verisimilitude even in a contemporary story is if you're familiar with the with the movie firestarter mm-hmm. you know as the little girl starts using her powers she starts sweating. She starts – her temperature rises. Her hair literally starts standing on end, mm-hmm. and she is getting angry mm-hmm. through the movement of it. And that verisimilitude has expressed itself beyond that story. Other writers use that same design. Mm-hmm. Is it a rule? No. But it's an established visual that now you can you can carry that in your story and see like, you know – some little girl's mother gets killed in an attack and like everybody looks over and sees this little girl's hair standing in and she's sweating on end. They're like, oh my gosh, that girl's going to start some shit. Yeah. Like it's about to go down. Yeah. yeah like this yeah. is bad. This is real bad, you know, but that's the whole thing is that now we have established because of the verisimilitude, because of how we know the world working with the big, big, bad, evil guy story, we have a cause and effect mm-hmm. that is valuable. Okay, and this is for both this is valuable for both the PCs and the storyteller. I agree. Okay. Um so one of the biggest one of the biggest rules that we'll always say, um, and this is something very valuable to keep in mind when you are writing plots, is no plot will survive contact with your players. We're not saying it gets Period. thrown out the door, but 
it is going to change. You, you will, when you are writing it, you will have a way that it will look in your head. 100%. In your mind's eye, you're going to be like, I'm going to write it like this, and they're all going to react like this, and it's going to be awesome when they all draw swords and say, let's get them. And then you tell them the plot, and you're like, and now, now's the point where they draw swords, and one of them goes, oh, we can't kill this guy. Let's invite him back to our place. Let's befriend him. And you're like, wait, wait, no, I mean, not, not that that's not a valid option. Like, we can absolutely roll with that, but, oh, God, I didn't account for the fact that they were going to make friends with this guy. Yeah. You guys did that to me, like, in a horrible, well, I want to say a horrible way, but, like, a major way. I wrote this whole plot about this murdered guy and how his ghost was haunting this troll's den. That kicked and, the troll out. And that, that, that it kicked the troll out. The troll looked like it was the problem on the surface, but it, underneath they discovered this whole murder mystery thing. Mm-hmm. And um, I was expecting them to – like the, 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 the ghost was basically like, I know who murdered me. It was my best friend. I want to get vengeance on him. Take mm-hmm. me with you so I can kill him. And I expected you guys to be all like, oh, no, we're noble adventurers. We can't let you just go off and murder some dude. We'll bring him to justice for you, and that'll be your resolution. Instead, you guys were like, oh, seems legit. Hop on. Yeah. Let's go murder somebody. Yeah. <laughs> your friend's, <laughs> I was your, like, Your friend's wow. a rat bastard. We should go murder him. <laughs> wow. Okay. Uh, Got to think on my feet here now yep. because – because no plan, you know, no plot survives contact with my players. Yeah. I gave you guys a choice, and you did not choose what I expected you to. But at the same time, because you knew that NPC, you had asked the questions of why. Why you knew that NPC's motivation? That the okay, I can. Fantastic. Uh, let's get going. I'm gonna need a body. Mm-hmm. Like you, that was the first thing that happened. Yeah, that that's what actually guys got got you was that he possessed one of you and mm-hmm. you weren't happy about it. <laughs> yeah, we were just like, all right, well, let's go take care of the problem. Mm-hmm. Like you're possessing this body until we get finished with this. All right, let's go. Let's go have this conversation. But you get the hell out of that body, body. afterwards. Yeah. Okay, fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm I'm good with that. Sweet. Let's go do this thing. Yep. You know, and and we handled it in that direction. But you knew the motivations. You knew right. to set the triggers. And at that point, it also taught you a valuable lesson about your players. Exactly. I learned that you guys will straight up murder a dude if you think that he's bad. Uh, but also, we will protect our own over some random dude who probably deserves justice. Yep. And yep. that has carried throughout the story. Yes, You've it reinforced has. it a few times. It's kind of where you're at right now, in exactly, fact. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And so I, I like that that plot keeps, that element keeps returning because it's an important part mm-hmm. that we as players created Yes. Exactly. Knowing that, that framework. So I think that's the give and take of, of knowing the cause and effect. Right. Right. You, you, you don't have to handle every contingency. You just have to have the knowledge from your scaffolding and questions mm-hmm. to be able to have the, the, the snap to it to say, what would they do? And you could take five minutes and yeah. be like, I need a minute to think about this. Okay, here's what's going to happen. I mean, and, and this is the thing, like uh, about knowing knowing their you know the, the NPC's motivation, knowing the plot's motivation is that is, is you see those moments where sometimes your players will inadvertently lean into that motivation. Yeah, you know, and again, a, a huge parallels actually between that plot and the plot I'm running currently for you 100%. guys. One hundred percent. Where uh, uh, one of my vampires wants you to bump off the other vampire, yeah. who happens to be the count of the city. Yep. And uh, you, you guys were like, "Oh, screw that count guy," and she was like, "Yes, mm-hmm. yes, absolutely, cool, 
heavily armed vampires or vampire hunters are here. Yeah. Let's get them. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, let's get them. And she's like, oh, this is so great. Yeah. You know, because you guys leaned into what her motivation was. You made things so much easier um, because your decisions I, – I already had her motivation mm -hmm. established. Yep. I already had her direction established. The moment you guys started to move that way, I knew exactly where my plot had to go. Yeah. You know? For me, I had a situation that got literally put on its head when one of my players decided to use divine intervention, something – exceptionally rare to be able to even pull off and pulled it off. Mm -hmm. So now what they wanted to achieve kind of had to happen to a degree. Now I could, I could have as a storyteller made a huge decision there and basically said, eh, it's a hard move. I really can't let, I can't undo the hard move, mm -hmm. but I had to sit back for a second. It took me a minute to figure out like, okay, let me go through my whys, my plot motivation, where the heck I'm at in the scaffold point, And I'm like, no, this can work just like this. Yep. And I, I framed it, I pushed it through, and you guys continued on from there. You learned some valuable things about what was going on. Mm -hmm. It gave you some, it gave you what you wanted, gave you insight, and let the plot continue on because I knew the motivations of how the world worked. And it, again, never fear that you have the ability to take five. As a storyteller, yeah. you have that right. Yeah, if, no if, matter what. If they throw you a curveball so bad that you need to like step away, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe take a bathroom break, maybe refill your drink, get some snacks, whatever. Will you just mull it over of like, oh crap, what do I do now? Do it. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I have ended whole game sessions. Yep, like, you have an hour or two early just because like, okay, well, I didn't prep for any of that. And the implications of what you guys just did are massive. So we will talk about this next game session. Yep. Yep. I mean, and if you want to say like even the greatest have falls, you can see it. There have been multiple live streams where the DM literally just stares blankly for a second, clearly sets some paperwork off to the side and goes, uh, I, I need like five chief example of that critical role, the ship, the ship. Yeah. They, yeah. uh, there was a, there was a whole ship battle that Matt Mercer had set up for the critical role mm -hmm. cruise during campaign two. Um, and he kind of failed to account for the fact that he had two clerics on board that both had control water, mm -hmm. uh, uh, set up. And so one of them was like, Oh, I'm going to make the ship faster. And he's like, haha, I put that in my notes. And like the other one, the other cleric says, I'm going to use control water to capsize their ship. Okay, make a roll for it, and he rolled like a really good, like I mean, it was like a ten percent chance or something like that. Just he to did. hammer them against the rocks. Yeah, yeah, and he absolutely obliterated the other ship. And um, you literally, you saw Matt just pick up an entire stack of papers and just set them aside. And he's like, "Okay, that was the ship battle that I wrote all these cool rules for, and had all these so, great." Yeah points for and it was going to be really intense and, and you, you, you watch the, the the faces of all the players kind of drain for just a second of like oh crap i just did yeah. that you know but at the <laughs> same yep. time you pause mm -hmm. you move on with grace because you know where the story is going next exactly and that's what we're kind of getting at here that's that's where we're talking about don't prep too much or really just defining your plot scaffolding in a clean way. Yeah, this is what I call plot scaffolding. I like um, the term. I think it's good. I hope it gets out there. So use the term. <laughs> uh, so uh, basically it's knowing your plot elements, um, how your plot elements move is enough to get going. Um, you really don't need much more than this. Okay. Yeah. You know that, you know, like, uh, okay, so my, my Count of Skin grad plot currently. Mm -hmm. um, 
the entirety of that plot as I wrote it, mm-hmm. going into this whole this whole section, mm-hmm. um, was the Count of Skingrad is a vampire. He accidentally made another vampire while trying to feed off of her in his dungeon. Mm-hmm. She escaped. She's mad about it. And now she's trying to terrorize the city and get her revenge. Yep. Basically, four points. That's it. Now, I had, I mean, I had some, some, some more, you know, detail in there about you knew the, who she yeah. is, who he you is. You asked your five questions. I asked my five questions. So these NPCs are more fleshed out than I just gave you. Mm-hmm. But like the main motivators is he accidentally turned her into a vampire because he's one himself and he's been hiding it very successfully. Mm-hmm. Now she's pissed. And she wants to ruin his entire town over it. And the key to this is you did not write scenes. Mm-hmm. You did not write direction. Yep. You didn't have anything more planned than those two forces pitted against each other. Exactly. And and what their motivations and flexibility would be. Yeah. What are She's they She's trying to destroy him. Mm-hmm. He's trying to quietly remove her because he doesn't want to reveal he's a vampire. Yep. Period. That's it. There's a couple other things in play, like very minor things that the Mage's Guild is helping him. Well, I think that's a carryover. That's your main, your your main plotline is that you have two other entities that are always in play technically as NPCs. Fighter's Guild, Mage's Guild. Mage's Guild, because those are your, because those are your organizations. Right. And those are your tie-ins. Yeah. But the key is, is that's the investment. That's Mm -hmm. the player investment at the finest level. So when we talk about carrying player and making sure your players are invested, we already invested in these two entities. They must be involved at some layer. Yep. And you were like, okay, Mage's Guild is invested in the story. How? Yep. Um, and now, remember what I kept telling you, too, um, is like, I don't know how this is going to turn out. Mm-hmm. I remember saying that to you at the very beginning. Like, yeah. you could literally walk into this whole situation and go, yeah, we're not doing this. this is not turn around and go home. Yeah. And, like, nothing really would have fundamentally changed about my game. No. We would have just explored a different plot. Like, this doesn't derail my game in any way. No. You know, um, I, we're coming up to the resolution of this story and I don't know how you guys are going to do it. Nope. I don't know which, you know, like if you're going to leave either of the vampires alive, I don't know if you're going to uh, reason with them. I don't Mm -hmm. know if you're just going to outright murder them. I I don't know. Yeah. But we're going to find out. Yep. But that's where plot scaffolding comes in is I haven't filled in any of this stuff for you. Mm -hmm. I don't have any of your intent, but what I do know is who the players are involved and which way they move when they're pushed against. Mm-hmm. All right. So, because we're not writing scenes, this isn't an interactive venture. A lot of people say, oh, well, what about my random encounters? What about encounters that I want to happen? Mm-hmm. To that, I'm going to say, that's nice. Put them on a shelf. Like, yeah. write them up, put them on a shelf. You can grab those when you need them. But yeah. the whole idea is, is that you're asking yourself, what if the players don't? Do that. If you do have a scene, a hard move that pushes into a scene, mm-hmm. that's that's one thing to do. You can't do hard moves all the time, otherwise we're railroading. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So your players are going to be ingenious. They're going to figure a way to move through your story in the way that they want to move through it. Mm-hmm. And sometimes at the spur of a moment, you never know what's going to encourage them in one direction or another. They could be literally watching a TV show the day before something happens, and the next morning is your game, and it's still on their mind, and they decide to use whatever method was in that story. Yeah, sure. Totally unbeknownst to you. Absolutely. So the thing that you have to remember, and I think this was the hardest lesson that I had to learn even growing up uh, in storytelling, was – 
you have to set proper expectations for yourself for as yourself. as the storyteller. If you don't set up those expectations properly, you're going to be upset. Players not choosing to interact with things either in the way that you planned or in the direction you planned is going to lead to your own personal disappointment, and that will show. Yes. That will either show in you forcing them and railroading them into something and doing a hard move mm-hmm. to make something happen, or you're you're going to feel like you just wasted time. Yeah. And like they missed something cool or something that you wanted. And nobody wants to feel that way. Nobody wants to feel railroaded. Nobody wants to feel like they have to railroad because believe me, the taste in your mouth after railroading is horrific. Oh yeah. Because you see it in your players' faces as you're doing it. Mm-hmm. And that is – it is not right. It is not right. It is just as bad as watching a TV show and, like, literally seeing the hard-painted out lines of how the story is going to go and it going exactly in that direction. Yep, yep. You know, you're like, there's there's nothing nothing enjoyable about this. Mm-hmm. I, I know who did it. It's It's right there. It's obvious who did it. Like, oh, yeah, it was that guy. Great. You know, there there's no interaction at that point from you. Well, the big thing is that player characters like to feel like I mean, it's 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 all about agency. You know, the player characters yeah. like to feel like they're the heroes of the story and yeah. they're the ones that are making things happen. And the moment you start railroading them, you make it feel like you're just pushing them through their through their your your interactive novel mm-hmm. and not their story. Right. You there's know. nothing to say that you can't still have hard moves, but your hard moves have to be specifically related to the plot, not scene, mm-hmm. not mechanic, you know, not even necessarily something cool, but something to define the moment. Yeah. Like if you want a dragon to come in and set fire to the town as a hard move, but then be untouchable, that's okay. You you can do that. As long as the town getting set on fire is an important turn in the story. Exactly. Um, I always use the, the example of Titanic. Yeah. Okay. The ship hitting the iceberg is a hard move in that story. Right. Okay. Th- that didn't happen because the, 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 um, uh, antagonist, ca- the captain of the oh, yeah. ship missed his perception check. Nope. Nothing was going to happen if he rolled a high perception check. There was no perception check. Right. Okay. That was always going to happen. At a right. certain point, we establish, we, we play a couple sessions of just, oh, we're on this ritzy ship called the Titanic, blah, 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 blah. There's right. this drama going on. When suddenly. Yeah. You hear a screeching noise as, you know, that the ship rocks to the side. Everybody goes quiet trying to figure out, did we just hit something? Mm-hmm. Hard move. Yep. Now this is a game about a sh- about a sinking ship. Right. And that's really what the story was about the whole time. Exactly. You just had players in places. Mm-hmm. That's, that is the beauty of telling stories like that is, is that you can frame up things and that the players move through them, but the plot is something that's going to happen to them. Yes. Why is it happening? Why is it that the reason for it? And that's where you step through those moments. Now, one of the things that, that we need to mention, too, is like one of the big reasons why you – other than your hard moves, mm-hmm. you don't write events. Correct. Okay. Is because you always have to ask yourself whenever you're writing your plot, whenever you're planning things that will happen, a sequence of events, mm-hmm. okay, every single one of these should be preceded by – or should be followed by the question, what if the players don't? Yeah. Okay. So my players are going to get on a ship and mm, what if they don't? Mm-hmm. What if they teleport instead? You did four sessions ago. Give them the right to use the entire Mage Guild teleportation network. Yep. 
and they remember that. Mm-hmm. So when you're like, so on the road, no, they're not taking the road. Mm-hmm. What if they don't? Yep. Well, when they go into the tavern, what if they don't? Yeah. What if they camp outside? Right. That shouldn't have anything to do with the plot. Exactly. The plot is what it is, and the players will discover and move through it. So you always have to make these points movable. Mm-hmm. So when you ask, when you set yourself a situation where they need to know at some point that the, uh, that the, the, this child or vampire was made by the count, they may not know how it was made, but they, we need, I need to get that point across is yes. that it happened in a jail cell. He came in and he made her. Yep. And that's the point. That's the information that needs to come out. Okay. How does that information come out? I don't know, but it's got to come out in the next section. Right. However, they're going to start looking for it. So like in my game, it was, we're going to go talk to the guy at the Mages Guild, the leader of the Mages Guild, because we think he knows more than he's letting on. Right. Okay, cool. Mages Guild guy, what's really going on around here? Roll me persuasion. Wham. Aces four times, rolls like a 28 or something like that. This guy's now sweating bullets okay. and is going to let it out. Now he's just, no, no, no. It wasn't even sweating bullets. Yeah. He, he was like, you know what? You seem a trustworthy fellow. There we go. You're also a member of the Mages Guild. I'm going to tell you what our entire involvement in the plot is here. There you go. Cool. Wham. Information landed in their in, in, in their, their their lap. Right. I didn't write that the leader of the Mages Guild was going to do that. Nope. There are several ways you could have gotten that information that happened to be the most convenient and the one that you guys pursued. Yep. There it is. And it happens naturally. It's not a hard yeah. move being forced upon the players. Exactly. They've accepted it from a role that they can trust. Mm-hmm. That's the other thing is, is that any time that you're handing out information, you need to make sure that the players have trusted that information. Yes. And part of, there's only two ways that that information can come across in a trusted way. One, you explicitly hand it to them in a methodology that they already have as accepted trust, meaning mm-hmm. a, a play, an NPC that's already in their trusted camp, uh, or, or a description that you clearly define as fact. Yes. The last is, they make a role that is successful and they receive the information. At that point, they know that it is fact. Yep. And that's, that is part of building that so that they feel the experience and accept it. Mm-hmm. And now see, this, this plays into your whole, what if they don't? Um, so what if they didn't go to the Mages Guild? Well, you know, we didn't set that that was exactly the place that they were going to. What if they don't? Fine. Then they get it from the Thieves Guild instead, or Correct. they piece it together from talking to the town guards instead, or whatever it's it's portable it's movable but i knew that they needed that information to move it forward yeah it's a and this is where a term situation based comes out it is a design that is uh designed to handle the players a map and let them figure out the saying figuring it out where you are going uh based upon what you have you're not actually giving them point to point to point Mm -hmm. right so we're saying Here's a map. Go. Yeah. And then as they move through it, the story unfolds. Exactly. Versus plot-based design. Which is where you're writing, like, hard sections of, like, they will get on a ship. They will go here. They will find this thing. Right. And that 
it tends to feel more railroady because it's a map, but there's a little dashed line in invisible ink that the players are following. Yes, and then you have to then you have to expect them to follow the line you've already drawn, but they can't see the line. Right now, there's nothing inherently wrong with that, and sometimes some stories and some playgroups need that. And in fact, I would 100% say that if you're running something at a convention, that is a great way to run it. A lot of like, well, the, and this this is one of the actually one of the big reasons why like I'm not fond of running pre-written modules and stuff like that. Because they're because, written that way. Because that's exactly how they're written. Well, I mean, they need to be written that yeah. way. But uh, I I find them a little too on rails for me, and they don't, I don't I don't feel like they allow enough innovation on my players' part. Yeah, I've seen my players do off the rails stuff way too often for me to be like, I'm going to do this thing straight out of a book. You know. Yeah. Um, but again, your mileage may vary. It works in a certain context. I think it works for, for, uh, like you said, convention games, one yeah. shots and stuff like that. Yeah. Right? Uh, anytime that you've got a situation where you need to keep your story moving without your players going, what do we do next? Yeah. And, and feeling confused about what they do next. You, you need to have the invisible ink ready to put doubt or, or have a plot ready to go. Cause there are, I've been at multiple ta- tables where, Players are tired. Like, mm-hmm. whoever is the quote-unquote kind of leader at the table is tired and just doesn't have it in them to, like, push the players in a direction. Or maybe this is, like, the second or third uh, game that you're running, mm-hmm. and they don't want to be that person. And the person who fills in for them doesn't, like, who who they're like, you know, I'm not going to be the leader on this one. I'm literally just going to play a dumb fighter, yeah, and yeah. I don't want to do anything. And so, so now you've got the situation where you don't have solid leadership, and you end up you end up feeling like all your players are floundering because they're not take they're not taking the initiative to go in a direction. Sometimes you do need to have that navigator NPC direct them. Yeah. You need to start running it like a video game. To yeah. Give yeah. them a direction. Give a quest giver. Yeah. You know? And or yeah. the Patreon kind of situation. And that's where you you can step back into the plot based design versus mm-hmm. situation and vary back and forth as needed. I think as you get closer to the end of your plot, you will find out you'll be need to be more situational. Mm-hmm. It just naturally happens in that direction. Um, a lot of people say, you know, at the beginning, my plots go fine, but at the end, they fall apart because my players are doing crazy things that, that I didn't expect. Well, okay, you didn't but... expect them when you wrote it, and why did you write the ending? Right. Well, you shouldn't have written the ending, first off. Yeah. And and by by that time in your campaign, you should be familiar enough with your own plot elements to know which way they move when they're pushed upon. Right. You know, yeah. so be flexible enough with it to to look at this will move in this direction when I push on it and not it has to move in this direction or I don't know what to do. Right. And I'm going to say one thing. I'm going to roll back conversation. You said, I don't like running pre-written modules because they are, they tend to be plot written or uh, plot design yeah, where yeah. it's, where it's the invisible ink because they have to be. Yeah. And my thought was, they don't. And I will get to that in another conversation with you, and I'm only going to leave us with this one thing. All right. You explained that we can do it like the Titanic, and I think that's the break in the framework. Yeah, just hard moves to move you between one thing to another. I can see it, but, well, I think we're, we're getting a little off topic. No, I, we're yeah. off topic, but I want to come back to that at some point. And All right. Th- th- just keep that in your head. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about um, it. Let, the last thing I want to add to the conversation sure, sure, sure. Is, is basically that um, your your PCs only experience what actually happens. Right. Okay? This means that if you are doing behind-the-scenes 
shuffling around of things. Mm -hmm. Okay. If you've got, um, you know, an encounter that you thought was going to happen, but they did something to circumvent it. So now it's not going to happen. And you had to move that, uh, the information they got was not at the docks, but it was instead at this office and Mm -hmm. all that jazz. They don't know any of that. Right. They're only experiencing what you're telling them. Okay. Mm -hmm. All my players know is that they went to the mage guild leader, asked him a couple questions, and he spilled the beans. Mm -hmm. To them, it looks like they concocted a plan and it worked. Yeah. To me, it was, ah, there's like seven different ways I can get this information out to them. Okay. What if they do this? What if they do that? What, who, who are the people involved here? Who are they taking an interest in? One person wants to talk to the thieves guild. One person wants to talk to the mage guild. Let's see how those conversations play out. No, all my players saw was we did it and it worked. Yep. And the plot moved forward. And they were all very happy with that. Yep. Nobody's going to know. Nope. If you move stuff around anywhere, they're not going to know. It's okay. Shuffle that stuff as much as you need to to make the plot unfold for them. Yep. Yep. So, uh, let's get these Discord questions because I think they're good. Mm -hmm. I think they're helpful. I think some of these we're going to answer pretty quick because we've already kind of answered them. But I think some of these are great. And there's a statement in here that uh, a lot – if you're not in our Discord, you didn't get to see this. And I think it definitely – Yeah, we have a new new, uh, new vocabulary word. Yeah. I'm actually going to think we should start with uh, Nevum. Okay, sure. Uh, So Nevum asks – how to uh how to involve players into the gm's plot uh investment is is the first word that i'm going to say there is h- how do you get them yeah your your one of your very first questions after you come up with like okay there's there's goblins in the mines there's vampires in the sewers whatever yeah. you know why do is, they care why do your players care okay and if and if you cannot come up with a satisfactory answer for that you don't have a plot right now if you need help with coming up with an answer for that the things that i can always say to you is players have to have their own motivations mm-hmm. and you can ask your players what their motivators are Absolutely. if you don't especially in the, session zero should help you with that a little mm-hmm. bit like you can ask your players like why are you why do you think you're here you know in this situation yeah. like this guy's willing to offer you money he's willing to maybe make this this situation that you're handling right now a little bit easier maybe not go away but maybe a little bit easier you know he's gonna take care of your grandma he's gonna make sure that you've got a place to stay mm-hmm. he's gonna you know watch over that orphanage and maybe do a second donation if you take care of this for him sure. you know find what your player what motivates your players let your milk run help you with that the question then remains is how do you keep them invested and that's the hard that is a hard thing to do but if you set that investment early like you did with the mages guild and the fighter guild this is who you work for until we break ties with that you know which is not going to be immediate mm-hmm. and then you can define what makes us players at that point and what our investments really are because at that point we've moved on for a good reason yeah absolutely and and so that's where i'm going to say is you have to you have to when you're involving your players you have to find out what their initial investment is uh, i'm going to i'm going to i'm going to read the second question because this plays into my answer for actually both of these questions go for it because i think it's a very similar answer um how do you handle players plot and, and, and integrating that into the game. Yes. Um, so like elements that push the players forward, like their backstory, their desires, yep. their wants, their needs. Yep. Um, and I'm just going to say I have had great success, especially very recently, just literally sitting down with my players and talking meta out of character, uh, not even in the game situation, mm-hmm. like we were not, not on game day, like when we're just hanging out and going, Hey, can I ask you about your player, your, your character real quick? What, what drives them? 
Mm-hmm. What's what what type of what type of story would you tell with your character if like there were no other like outside plots going on? You know, yeah. if there were no vampires in the sewers, if there was no world ending plot, you know, the Daedra weren't trying to screw with Tamriel. What would Rhaegar be doing? What yeah. would Karu be doing? Yeah. Oh, well, you know, I really wanted to, you know, I kind of see my characters and like your players love talking about their characters yep. because they're. They're their creations. Mm-hmm. The other big question is, what type of story are you trying to tell with your character? Mm-hmm. Is this a story of redemption? Is it a story of discovery? Is it a story of a story of of, of power seeking? You know, yeah. are you just trying to tell a power power fantasy story? Sure, okay. You want your character to become really more powerful and just be able to nuke stuff from orbit? Awesome. That's a perfectly valid motivation. You know, mm-hmm. um, but once you ask them these questions you know, first off, how to involve your players. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, I, I, I really see my character as a, as a healer. It just really wants to be compassionate and take care of people. Cool. I now know how to hook your character. Right. Compassion. Compassion. Yep. I put a bleeding heart story in front of you. I know your character's going to jump on it. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yep. And it's a great story to tell. Right. Let them lean into it. You're You're not only giving yourself plot hooks there, to use to use for them to get them involved in your story, which is a good thing. Mm-hmm. I make it sound conniving, I think, when I say it that way, but it's a it's a good thing. But also, you are leaning into their role play. Yeah, you are providing an impetus for them to play a bleeding heart character that values compassion above all else. Yeah, your your job is to manipulate them, and that's how you do it. And that's how you do it. You yeah. give them what they want. Mm-hmm. And they will follow the thing they want into danger, and that's mm-hmm. where plot happens. Yeah, and if they're not good at explaining it, uh, you can discover it. Mm-hmm. It's much takes much longer time. It's yeah. much more difficult, but you can discover it. You can poke them in different ways to find out the answer. Yeah, give them a magic sword. Give them a couple of vampires to choose from. See what they do with it. Give them a jerk who points out some fl- fa- uh, failing that they have mm-hmm. that they don't necessarily believe they have. Yep. 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 And and watch them storm off and have a moment, and you're like, ooh, or or just squirm. That hit a nerve. Yep. Yep. And mm. then and make a note. Always make a note. Yes. Uh, so yeah. So that's it's it's kind of the, kind of the same thing. So uh, you you know then how to involve your players personally into your plot, but you also know how to how to how to hook them into your own GM plot. Yep. Yep. That's it. Yep. That's it. All right. So Charles has some questions for us. I-G-J-F-C-C-F. Yes. Uh, How important is it to write stories around your players' backstories? It depends on the players, yes. But do most players want this? Um, I'm going to say the players who write backstories... Want it. Want it. Mm -hmm. If your player doesn't write a backstory, it doesn't mean that they don't want it, but it means that they're not sure what they want. And that's okay. I've sometimes, like, literally when I wrote Theodane, I really didn't write much of a backstory for you. Mm -hmm. I kept it pretty blank. Mm -hmm. Because in a strange way, I didn't know what I wanted to do in this game. I just wanted to enjoy your story initially. Do I, am I developing that story now more? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. We've developed developed as a person, but it doesn't mean I don't want some backstory in there. But it's not so important anymore. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, what happened to me in my past has only slightly came out at times. Yeah. When it, when it was reflective of what was going on actively. 
On the other hand, how it drives your current motivations yes. is far more important. Correct. But on the other hand, Rigar has a backstory and mm-hmm. a motivation that's very key because he is tied into his people yeah. and his image of himself through his people. And that is backstory. That's important mm-hmm. and draws through. So again, I, I would say invest as a storyteller as much as your players do, but don't go too far. Yeah. Um, I, don't I th- let it command the story. For me, this is another, I'm, I'm actually going to jump back to my answer for Nevum. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is talk to your players about mm-hmm. what they want. What type of story are you trying to tell? And how much of a story are you trying to tell? Like we had, a, I, I had a talk with, with, uh, with your wife, Vicky, yeah. uh, the other day about her character. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Hey, I was thinking about your backstory and stuff like that. Like, do you want personal plot? Yeah. I flat out ask it. Just yeah. just a straight up question. Do you want personal plot? Yeah. Do you want something like involved like we're doing for 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 Rob's character right now? Right. And she was like, eh, not really. I mean, I wouldn't mind if some stuff came up, but like, no, you don't need to shine a spotlight on me. Yeah. And I was like, okay, maybe a little little kung fu hustle. We'll we'll just we'll drop drop some of your plot elements in as a as like maybe a B plot, but not as the, never as the A plot. And she's like, yeah, I like that idea. I, I, I'll go back to the, uh, the D'Artagnan in the, uh, Three Musketeers Disney one. Yeah, exactly. His, his backstory with this, this wronged. D'Artagnan! Exactly. Yeah, you, like, you, you kissed my sister! Yeah. yeah. And it just keeps coming back around. Yeah, exactly. And it, but it's nothing important by any means. It is. It but, doesn't but, affect but anything. But it's a B plot. Yeah. And that's, and that's fine. Yeah. And that's all D'Artagnan's player needed. Yeah. And to answer the truth to that story is it should not affect the main plot. Mm-hmm. It, it should. It complicates. It complicates flavors. Mm-hmm. You know, it might bring an NPC in. It might, you know, to, to deliver, it might make it easier for you to say who is trustworthy and who is untrustworthy. Mm-hmm. You know, he may, your one of your players may have said that he is a, you know, he has a brother who he hates, you know, because of his actions, but still loves him and trusts him. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why they're, you know, they're, they're still at odds. Bring him in, have him deliver some information. Yeah. You know, like you may not like me, but this is coming for you. I still love you. And walk out the door. Boom. Okay. Now he knows it's serious. Like his brother made the effort to come and see him knowing that it was going to risk something. Yeah. yeah. You know, that kind of a thing. Um, back to the make facts feel like facts. Yes. That's, that's a, a key thing. Both Overwatch and Knox in the Box yeah. in the live chat. Not big fans of personal plot. I, I get it. And there's, and in all honesty, uh, Sometimes it's exhausting it, and very demanding be. to have the spotlight on you. Yeah. 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 So, uh, but little flavor things are great fun. The D'Artagnan edge is great. Uh, uh, a great jump in every once in a while. Those kinds of things are always fun to have tossed around. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, second question. Is it always a good idea to change your plot to match your player's theories? Uh, so any statement involving always or never are are rarely ever true. Yeah. I'm just going to say, is it good to change your plot to match your other players' theories? Depends. I've done it. Like, is it an okay thing to do? I think changing the plot is one thing. Changing an element, because it just makes way more sense. Like, maybe you were at your question five, right? Mm -hmm. You're all the way out at that point. You asked a why question, and you answered it, but you weren't even totally confident with that answer. You're like, it sounds appropriate, you know? Mm -hmm. You know, unobtainium is not a great thing that makes everything float in the air. Great. But if the players come up with the fact that, like, 
unobtainium actually isn't from this realm. What if it's bleeding over from an alternate reality? You're like, well, I'm just going to jot that That down. makes a lot more sense than what I'd... And that just gave me three ideas for cool new plots. Like, <laughs> and, and the thing is, is that there you go. Now, mm-hmm. now you have a better answer to yeah. one of your whys. And that's okay. But, like, totally shifting the tone of a plot, uh, unless you've made... And I, I, I've done this myself. Unless you've made a grave mistake in a direction of your plot and your players are literally driving so far into a red herring mm-hmm. that isn't anything and you're trying to pull them away from it, just lean into it. Let them have that. Yeah. yeah. And move on. Like, l- let it end. Or let it let it draw them back to the story. Mm-hmm. That's okay. That is perfectly okay. Uh, I, I, I think it's okay. Uh, I, I, like you said, only tend to do it on the micro scale, never the macro scale. Right. Um, one of the, one of the big ones actually that I did, uh-huh. um, that I don't, I don't know if I ever told you this or not. Which one? Uh, the, the infamous door kicking scene. Um, your yeah. character and, uh, the Mad Elf's character yes. were yes. sharing an in room, um, and were rudely awakened one morning when the leader of the thieves guild, uh, as well as his face and his muscle kicked down your door. Literally slammed you up against the wall and demanded some damn answers from you. Right. Um, and came in with wild accusations that you, you killed one of their contacts and stuff like that. Right. And, uh, in the course of your question, this was kind of a, I put the scene in because it would be cool. Yeah. Sort of thing. Um, in your responses and their questioning of you, you all of a sudden had this moment of realization. You were like, you guys don't know where she is either. Or something like that. That's you exactly what I'm like. Like you wouldn't, you would have come in here and just kicked our asses, but you didn't. You're asking but you questions. Didn't. Yeah, right. You don't know, you and don't therefore know. you're trying to get the information out of me. That was a moment where I was like, "Well, they weren't before. They were legit asking questions." But you're absolutely right. They shouldn't be here asking these questions if they don't already know the answers. Like. Wow, that was kind of a stupid move on my part, but I'm glad you're finding it compelling because the best part about it was your face was honest when I said uh-huh. that you don't have a freaking clue why you're here, and you just kind of sat back in your chair and was just like, "You're right, I have no idea." Why you're here. Yeah. Like, but but you didn't give anything away. You just took a minute, and you're like, "You actually put him back in his heels." Mm-hmm. And I continued my role play of the scene. Like I looked over at Matt's character. I'm like, they, they, we're fine. They don't have well, a clue of what's going yeah, on. Yeah, because naturally he would have been back on his heels at that point. He right. would have been like, I wasn't expecting you to start analyzing the situation. Most people in your position just start gibbering and spilling information, right. but you're analyzing it, and we're yeah. having a discussion now. Yeah. Instead of a one-sided interrogation, you know. But I took it as my and in all honesty, yeah. in my role play, it was like the door gets kicked in, and I'm like, my character's just like, well, there's only two ways that this rolls out ever. Uh huh. Like maybe three at max, right? And I'm not already dead, dead. so it's not one of them. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. The, the muscle picked me up without carrying, like, without immediately stabbing me once in a non-vital position. Mm-hmm. And the face has basically just planted her very shapely boot yeah. against the chest of my compatriot just to make sure he stays where he is. Yeah, not really risking not risking herself or the situation, but at the same time not telling him to shut the hell up. Mm-hmm. Like, they know our friends are less than – less feet away. Like, there's literally a wall of meat yeah. around a wall that could not stop him. And the leader of the Thieves' Guild is here. He wouldn't show up himself to do this job if exactly. it were a hit. Exactly. So, yeah. like, my, my character just calmly, because he's older, he's wiser, mm-hmm. basically was just like, so what's up, guys? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
and yeah, so so that was that was definitely a moment where like I it was great. You, you you said something and I was like, oh, this whole scene that I slipped in here doesn't actually make any sense. But you said a thing that made it make yeah. sense, so let's roll with it. And I I think it worked out beautifully. Yeah, uh, it did not show. By the way, I'm, kudos to you. It didn't show at all. Cool. You rolled with that and with such grace that it looked like you meant it that way. I did mean it that way, Rob. I was just kidding. And that's good. That, that's a good storytelling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the answer is, yeah, <laughs> sometimes you have to. Sometimes mm-hmm. it just makes sense. Sometimes you need to take five minutes and be like, yeah, that really does make a lot more sense. Yep. And, and, but don't let it change core plot. Yes. Yes. Just shift. All right. Now my favorite question. <laughs> Go for it. Quantum ogres. <laughs> I love that term. Quantum <laughs> ogres. Okay or cheating. Uh, so. So for you example. Made, you made a cool dungeon. Your players went left instead of right. If they went left, they were supposed to run into ogres, but they went right instead. Is it okay to move the ogres to the right? The short answer is quantum ogres are a thing, quantum and the answer is yes. Yes. Um, th- two things that I'm going to say. One, there was a, a a guy that I was reading about who, uh, in his plot, he needed to have a hard move occur, and he expected his uh, his group to take a sea voyage, and they were going to run across uh, one of the serpents. That this guy was using to destroy navies. Now, n- nobody knew where this guy's naval power was coming from. That was an important thing that he had to show. He didn't. He didn't want to show that these guys had any kind of ships. Like there were wild accusations about this, and this was going to be how he was taking care of the problem. Is okay. that he was mutating these and controlling these uh, sea serpents. Okay. Okay. And the players never got on a boat, and he was like, I. I'm critically concerned because they know he's got a better Navy. Mm-hmm. So they just never got on a boat. And if was, we get on a boat, we're going to get sunk too. Right. And so yep. he has these sea serpents and he's like, crap, what do I do to expose this? And, uh, there was a lot of good things where people are like, there's, if you need to expose it, there's nothing to say that your players don't run across the lab, mm-hmm. you know, or run across paperwork or run across the dude who's carrying the chemicals and some of the equipment. And it, it paints the whole picture or, or even he gives up the information to them. Um, and then one guy flat out said, cause he was writing it as I expected them to take the sea voyage. And at this point there was going to be a hard move and they completely avoided. He goes, pocket it. There's nothing to say that they won't get back in the water. Mm-hmm. There's nothing to say they won't get near the water. Yeah. There's also nothing to say that maybe one of those serpents got injured and ended up beached. That's what I was thinking is finding, finding a dead beached one. Right. Yeah. There's nothing to say that another ship, that they are that they trust saw one of these things and injured it and has has parts of it right you you can still have the hard move occur the hard move can be a ship comes into port and there's a huge scuttlebutt and they and you all go down to see what it is mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and there before you is the parts of a ridiculously large serpent yeah and it's okay now you know now everyone knows mm-hmm. you know they don't know exactly what it is but you know what do you do? Like a whaling ship. Exactly. A bunch of a bunch of very tenacious whalers caught one. Yeah. Kill, caught one and killed one, hauled it on board thinking yeah. it was a thinking it was a humpback and it's all of a sudden it's this ridiculous sea serpent and they're like, What did we just catch? Exactly, exactly. So that's that's the quantum ogreing that if you need to have it happen, it can. Yeah. I'm gonna flat out say, last game session I did it. You guys had avoided by teleporting and moving around in convenient ways specific creatures that I needed you guys to see. Mm-hmm. And that was some of Weejoss's army. I yeah, needed yeah. you to see them. And so I presented the initial interaction that I wanted with the enemy because I needed to have you guys see him. Mm-hmm. But I was like, 
I really need you guys to see this altered, these altered beasts. <laughs> and I need you to realize how deadly they are. And then suddenly I had an opportunity. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? I'm bringing them in here. Yeah. Whether they get taken away or whatever, how by however means, I need you to see them and I need you to know that they're different. Because <laughs> that's an important point that's going to come up later. Yeah. And to, to sit in your head that there's... There are things changing. Mm -hmm. Like she's having to make changes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so in that, I I made a quantum ogre moment of like, mm -hmm. I'll drop these guys in right here. Uh, Overwatch actually uh, adds a really good point to the discussion too uh, sure. from the live chat. He says, um, if there's if there's a reason why the ogres are left instead of right, yes, you better solve that before you move them. That is correct. Okay, that is correct. If they're just left instead of right arbitrarily. Yeah, you can move them. You yeah. can move them anywhere. Yep, yep. But if there's a reason why they're left, yep. they have to be left, that's another thing you have to move with them, is their reason. Right. And a lot of times I, I hear the reason why something gets moved into dungeon is because you're trying to attrition the players a bit more. Mm -hmm. You're trying to grind them down. Yeah, that's a big thing in D&D is, is, is softening up your players before a quote-unquote boss battle. You know? So that it, you, they're not at their best form. Yeah, so they you don't know, just drop three 8th eight, level spells and yeah. call it quits. Or they have to make reason they have to make a reasonable retreat at that point mm -hmm. as well to to be able to handle the situation yeah, yeah. so all those do come into play my my favorite instance of quantum ogres uh, mm -hmm. that i read about uh, on reddit was uh somebody had come up with this elaborate dungeon that was like this big cave system yeah 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 um and uh it was this like mega dungeon that it was going to take like three three sessions to get through and stuff sure. like that uh, and he was like oh it's going to be so great they're going to be journeying along the countryside i'm going to you know they were like hey you see this cave they're going to go in it, and we're going to explore this dungeon. They took one look at the cave and went, yeah, no, we're not going in there. No, that's, that's, too, that's, that's way too dangerous. It's ridiculous. It's dangerous. Yeah. And they were like, oh, but I put all this work into it. So we pocketed it. Mm -hmm. Four game sessions later or so, yep. they get kidnapped by uh, – they, they get captured by bandits. Yeah. Yeah. Taken captive. And he's like, okay, well, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? <gasps> the bandits live in this ridiculous dungeon cave. Mm -hmm. And so now we're going to start in the back of the cave, and they have to fight their way out of it rather than fighting their way into it. I think it's fantastic. And now all of a sudden, bam, he gets to use it. Yeah, yep. no, absolutely, 100%. Yep. Quantum Ogres, a thing. Yeah, po pocket your stories. You will get a chance to use them later. Bingo. All right. Next week – so I'm going to say one thing before we get into our next week. So our next 101 is about adventures, and I know we just went over plot – but when we start stepping into to talk about adventures, we're ta that's where we're going to get more narrative. That's yeah. where we're going to talk more about the little pieces that make the narration move forward. Yeah, and stringing like, your plots together, how to tell your story rather than just having these elements and stuff like that. Yes. Correct. And and what can kind of make it feel and taste different. Yeah. So. Yeah, uh, but next week's topic, we're going to do our system spotlight. It's the second one of the month. Mm -hmm. uh, we are doing a really new system. Or and and game. I had not heard of this one. Rob dropped it on the uh, on well, the list. Our and... marketing person pulled this out of the woodwork. Oh, really? Yeah. So and and it was just like, here's a new game, and I'm like, what is that? So it's and I may be getting the pronunciation wrong, and I apologize heavily. Uh, but it's Yangshi, uh, Blood in the Banquet Hall. Yeah. <laughs> so. Your your family has been in this community for three generations, serving the community food and hospitality, all the while managing business and racism. Oh, oh. protecting people from the Zhangxi. Right, which are basically yeah. jumping vampire 
things. Yeah, Chinese jumping vampire demons. Yes. Yes. And the idea of it sounded really cool, but uh-huh. at the same time, it in- invoked a lot of fear in my mind of like, is, I was like, is, is this just a racist character of, 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 you know, Chinese people? I've, and it's I like, can flat out say I picked it up. I've read through the first probably 30 pages of it and it is beautiful and it is thoughtful mm-hmm. and it is done from the heart and I am loving it. Yeah. I'm absolutely. loving every aspect. I cannot wait to talk to, to our, our, to you about this and have you read through it as well as just explain it to our listeners because I think it is something that everyone who likes to tell challenging stories mm-hmm. and be inclusive and walk that fine line that we've talked about so many times of playing a different race, a different nationality, a different sexuality, a different yeah. gender. Yeah. It does, it, it does grace that so well it 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 takes it on head on yeah from from what you were saying yeah and, and so yeah, I'm, I'm i'm excited I'm, to, to talk about it and just excited to talk about kind of the larger implications of a game like this so uh anyways you can find us on twitter at st underscore conclave on instagram at st underscore conclave listen to us live every wednesday night 7 p.m eastern time on mixlr.com slash storyteller dash conclave and join us up on our Discord. Um, not only a, uh, a great place to talk about the show and shoot us some show questions, yeah. but also a great place to uh, talk to other storytellers and dungeon masters if you want to bounce some ideas off them and whatnot. You can find that link on our Twitter as well as our website, StorytellerConclave.com. We'd like to thank our Patreon members, especially our named members who assist us every month. Knox in the Box, uh, uh, Sam, uh, The Arcane Asylum, Sparkle Motion, Hulu, uh, and Veteran, but our newest one, Subject who uh, joined at the contributor level, and they will be helping us design the show. Thank you so much, Thank you so much. appreciate your patronage. Our pre-show music is by Arcane Anthems. You can find that at patreon.com slash arcane anthems. Our intro music is Beyond the Warriors by Geefrog. You can find that at geefrog.bandcamp.com or on Google Music. And our outro music, which you're hearing right now, is Only Our Footprints in the Sand by Midair Machine. You can find that at freemusicarchive.org. A uh, big shout-out, as always, to our families, Vicky and Sean. Once again, happy, happy birthday, birthday, Vicky. Vicky. Uh, all of our friends have sat with us at our tables over the years to give these great stories to tell with you, uh, share with you, and you, every single one of our listeners. We love you so much. Love you. Good night. Good night.